The book of John, chapter number 20. We're going to pick up reading after Jesus had already risen from the grave. Seeing as how we are a little bit after daybreak right now, we figure He'd already risen on Easter day back then. So we're going to pick up where Jesus had already risen. And He appeared unto a couple of people before. And this time He appears unto a man who, who wasn't for sure, for certain, exactly what was going on. There's a lot of things in, in life that, that we can be sure about that pertain to God. But outside of God's Word, there's very little actual truth in the world. Very, very little. You, you can be tricked, you can be fooled, quick, fast, and in a hurry. And if you don't think you can, turn on the TV. Everything in this life, outside of God, we cannot know for a fact to be true. People will lie to you, people will trick you. People will doubt you. People will try to mislead you. People will tell you half the truth, but not tell you all the truth. And, and that's very, very common. So whenever we begin to read the Bible, we know that we are reading complete and total truth. Whenever we understand what Jesus has been saying and, and throughout the gospel, we understand that this is the living word, which is the, the body of Christ. Whenever we understand what it's saying, it, it is the truth, the absolute. So whenever Christ said, I will rise again, the Pharisees believed him. The chief priests believed him. They told Pilate, put guards. Make sure the tomb is secure. Make sure nobody can get in, nobody can get out in case there's a trick. But his disciples were perplexed whenever they realized that he rose again. His disciples were astonished. And here we're going to pick up reading in verse 24 where another man by the name of Thomas was ever so slightly confused. Verse 24, John in chapter 20, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So he had not yet seen Jesus. All he had was first-hand accounts of what everybody else told him that Jesus was here. Jesus has been here. Jesus has risen. Jesus is alive. The other disciples before said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nail, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Until I see it, I can't know if it's real. We know anybody like that? Me, myself, and I. We have a hard time believing things if we don't see it. That is where faith becomes so, so hard. Why, why is everybody not saved? Why does everybody not believe on Jesus Christ? I've done it. That means anybody can do it, right? Why does everybody on the planet Earth not believe in Jesus Christ? Because of faith. It's, it's easy to trust something that you can see. I'm relatively certain that I'm holding in my hand a tie clip that Bailey pulled off of my tie this morning. I'm almost certain because I can see it, I can feel it, I can't smell it, but I know it's here. I know it. It's absolute truth. It's hard for people to believe in God, to trust in God, to believe that Jesus has arose again whenever they did not see it with their own eyes. Thomas said, I will not believe until I put my hand in his hand. Until I thrust my hand in his side. Until I see it, experience it with my own eyes. Verse number 26. After eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in their midst. Whenever Jesus grabs a hold of your life, Jesus is going to surprise you. The doors were closed, he didn't knock this time. Doors were closed, he didn't sneak in a window. It said that Jesus appeared in their midst. 
Whenever Jesus has to get a hold of our life, whenever Jesus has to remind us who He is, He's going to surprise us. I surprised my wife yesterday. It almost got ruined. My mom liked to have ruined it. Fortunately, it worked out to where I could tell her a half-truth and keep the surprise going. And I surprised my wife yesterday. It's not, it's not, it's not easy to do. It takes a lot to pull the wool over somebody's eyes to surprise him, to keep something a secret. Jesus can surprise us today in a lot of different ways. Jesus can surprise us by the way that, by the way he shows us how he takes care of us. Every morning whenever we wake up, we should, we ought to thank God for giving us a night's sleep. Thank God for allowing us to see the light of another beautiful day. Thank God for blessing us, our family, to be here in America, to be here in the South, to be able to have a good church to come to, to be able to have the Bible printed in our language. We have a lot of things that we should thank God for, and a lot of times we take those for granted, do we not? I'm not the only one. I know I'm not. I'm not the only one that takes the Bible written in English for granted. There are people in the world today that struggle with the Bible because it's not always in their language. Others can't read it all. And we take it for granted. What's well, that? The, the Gideons have an app. Translates into almost every language on the planet. An app on a phone. The Bible in almost every language on the planet. And yet we take it for granted that we can sit here and read. Jesus will surprise us whenever he shows us how blessed we are. Jesus will surprise us whenever he shows us how blessed we can be. Let's continue reading. In verse 26. Then Jesus came, the doors being shut, stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Whenever Jesus came to his disciples, he showed them how blessed they could be by declaring peace. At a time where they had lost their Savior, they had lost their Messiah, they had lost the man that they had followed for these years. The man that had performed miracles, the man that had raised the dead, the man that had fed a pile of people with a handful of food. They watched him suffer. They watched him be tortured. They watched him be laid in the ground. And the first thing that he says whenever he comes to them in this room, they, they watch him appear out of nowhere. They watch him appear and he says, Peace be unto you. Jesus has a way of surprising us with peace in our life. The term is often used, and, and there's a song about it. We've sang it before. It's, it's called The Eye of the Storm. God can give us peace in the eye of the storm if we'll let him. Jesus will grant us peace in the midst of all the mess that this world has to offer if we'll let him. Whenever things begin to get hectic, whenever things begin to get crazy, I worked on the farm up at Tech. Whenever the cows would get absolute nuts, my boss would say, stop. Let's back up. Let them calm down. Whenever we back up and calm down, that's whenever we give our problems to God. That's whenever we turn loose and say, God, you got this. And Jesus will surprise us with peace. He will give us peace like we have never known. And he can take our problems from us because he's already conquered them. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus conquered the world. Jesus conquered death. Jesus conquered hell. He's been through everything. He's conquered everything. He's fixed everything. We just got to turn it loose to Him. In Jesus' resurrection, He brings peace to us. And Jesus is surprising His disciples here. He said, peace be unto you. 
Then saith he to Thomas, and I've always thought this was very interesting. Jesus was not around whenever Thomas said, unless I thrust my hand in his hand and thrust my hand in his side. Jesus didn't hear him say that. So Thomas is standing here like Brother Randy sitting here on the front pew, and Jesus appears. And then he looks and says, Thomas, I know what you said. I heard you. you imagine what Thomas' face must have looked like? He said unto Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Pay attention, Thomas. Look here, Thomas. You said you wasn't going to believe. I wasn't around, but I heard you. Jesus will surprise us with what he knows. You believe that we serve a God that sees all? You believe that we serve a God that is in control of all? Can we hide from God? Throughout the Bible, people tried. Achan buried a fortune in his tent. Jonah spent the night in the belly of a whale. David tried to cover up his sin. And yet nobody could hide from God. Nobody could get anything past God. Jesus will surprise us with how much He knows about us. But the beauty in Jesus knowing that much about us is He knows what I need. He knows exactly what I need. He knows when I need it. He knows how I need it. Whenever you mix up... <coughs> excuse me. Whenever you mix up a pound cake, by itself the ingredients are terrible. But if you mix them up into a pound cake, pound cakes are delicious. But whenever you finish that pound cake, what Momo China used to always do, and <clears throat> I've attempted to do it myself, she'd make this lemon glaze icing. And whenever that cake had cooled, she'd dump that lemon glaze icing across the top of it. And that make you just want to push, pull the icing off and leave the cake. That lemon glaze icing was something special. But she knew when to put it on there. You didn't want to put that lemon glaze in with the, the mix and mix it all together. It would mess up the whole recipe. Jesus not only knows when we, what we need, He knows when we need it. He knows when to give it to us. He knows when to mix it into our recipe. He knows when to apply things to our life. He knows when to bless us. He knows, he knows when to challenge us. A friend of mine told me about a week and a half ago he's going through a lot in his life. He said, I didn't know I could take this much. God won't give us any more than we can bear. He said, I didn't know I could take this much. But God has shown me a lot in these last couple of months. Jesus knows what we can handle. Jesus knows what's good for us. Jesus knows what we can take. And He'll surprise us because He knows so much about us. He surprised Thomas here. He came and He knew exactly what Thomas said. He said, reach here to thy finger. Hold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. Having faith is one of the hardest things that we will ever do. Having faith in people is crazy hard. I don't recommend it. Having faith in people is something difficult. I told you about the trust fall before. If you think you have faith in people, tell them to come stand behind you and you fall into them. Faith in God is so much better. Because God will catch you every time. There's no worrying about that. Jesus told Thomas, he said, be not 
faithless. Faith is the hardest thing in the world because we cannot see it coming. We cannot see the future. We don't know that God's going to take care of us unless we read His Word and have faith in His promises. We don't know that God is going to protect us unless we believe in His Word. And that is only through faith. We can't see what's coming down the road. Five years ago, you could not have convinced me that I would be right here right now. It was not going to happen. What's going to happen? Eight years ago, you would not have convinced me that I was in South Louisiana. Yeah. I was a senior at Louisiana Tech. I had every intention of staying in North Louisiana. I was going to take a job at Ruston High School, teach the social studies, and that was going to be it. I was done. <coughs> Life changes. Because God knows what's best for us. We've got to have faith that He knows that. We've got to have faith believing that He will guide us in the way that we need to go. Not because of what I want, but because of what I need. As a kid, I had this terrible aversion to all things that was not meat and potatoes. I loved meat and potatoes. Loved it. And I didn't particularly like green beans. I didn't like English peas. If mama was going to make us eat some sort of vegetable, she had to either deep fry it or sneak it in somewhere. And she got really good at it. She wasn't trying to give us vegetables because it was something we wanted. She was trying to give us vegetables because it was something we needed. She didn't, she didn't want to do us harm. She couldn't convince us that they was good for us. But she knew we needed them. She kept trying. And she kept trying. And eventually, we just had to believe her. Turns out, you put enough bacon grease in green beans, they're good. God knows what we need. We may not want it. We may not desire it. It may be hard. It may hurt. Anybody ever been through anything that hurt? You come out better on the other side of it? It may hurt. But the, the sign that's on the, all the workout facilities, and I disagree with it wholeheartedly, it says no pain, no gain. Whenever you get hurting, that's when your muscles are supposed to be getting bigger, right? That's when you're burning fat. And with God, sometimes we have to go through the fire. Sometimes our faith has to be tested. Verse 28, Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. It don't say... If Thomas put his hands on Jesus. But I have to believe that he did. Without seeing him face to face, Thomas wouldn't believe in Jesus. So in seeing him face to face, I have to believe that Thomas touched Christ. And he said, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. There are things in this world that we cannot see that we must believe in. One of those... Is the saving power of God. Another is the love and fellowship of a church. I know the term is always used, and I'll go ahead and use it again. You can't see the wind, right? Can't see it. Wind is clear, maybe, invisible. You can't see it. The wind has blown more in the last two weeks than I've ever seen it blow around here. It has whooped. But you can't see the wind. But if you go look at my orange trees at my house, they're growing on an angle facing north. Because that south wind has whooped them. You can see the evidence of the wind. You can't see 
Love. Can't do it. Love is not something that, that is a noun that you can actually hold. Love. You can hold a, a new water bottle that somebody gave you because they loved you. You can see the evidence of it, but you cannot see love. So how do you know when you have it? How do you know when it's there? How do you know when the wind is there? You feel it. You see the results. How do you know when love is there? You see the results. You see it in people. You see it in actions. You see verbs. So how do we know that God is there? There was three or they may be up to four movies by now that, that came out and said God is not dead. But so many people deny the simple existence of God. So whenever someone says God cannot exist, what do you say? How do you know that God exists? We can't see him. We can't touch him. We can't hold his hand. So how do we know that God is real? The same way that we know that love is real. The same way we know that the wind is real. We see the evidence of God all around us. We see the evidence of Him in His creation. We see the evidence of Him in ourselves. We see the evidence of Him in each other. We see the evidence of Him in nature. We see the evidence of God all around us. We know that He's real. Those of us who say the Bible says His Spirit will bear, bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. God speaks to us through His Holy Spirit, through His Word, so that we may know He is real. We see the evidence of that. But the world lacks the faith to see that. If you're here and unsaved this morning, you have yet to maintain the faith to see that. You have you fail to attain the faith it takes to see that. Every time a school does a big fundraiser, they, they use a big, I don't know, I call it a thermometer. But they take a big thermometer they put on the wall, right? And they have their goal right up here at the top. And you start with a bubble at the bottom. That's the first zero dollars. And whenever they do a fundraiser and they get another dollar added to it, it goes up in the thermometer, right? And you go up 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 until you what? Hit the goal, hit the top. Until you reach the goal. And it is a physical representation of exactly what happens. Nobody ever sees all the money. Nobody sees exactly what's being made, but they see a physical representation of that. Our faith works the same way. You know, there's a lot of people that believe God is real that's burning in hell right now. There's a lot of people that believe Jesus is real that are burning in hell right now. There's a lot of people that had faith that are burning in hell right now. Because the Bible don't say have faith and be saved. The Bible says believe on Jesus. That's it. That's the only way. Until your barometer or thermometer, whatever you want to call it, gets to Jesus at the top, salvation is not yours. You cannot reach it until you get to faith enough to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus told Thomas, he said, Because thou hast seen me, thou believe. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are they who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior without having seen the nail prints in His hands, without having seen Him physically on this earth. Blessed are they. This morning we don't have the option to see Jesus. But we have the option to believe in Him. We don't have the option to see Him rose from the grave. But we have the option to believe in the empty tomb. 
We can't see Him hanging on that cross, but we can believe that our sin nailed Him up there. We cannot see Him giving up the ghost, but we can believe that He did it for us, for me, for you. This morning, Jesus Christ came to this earth for you. Jesus Christ lived the life for us. Jesus Christ was tortured. Jesus Christ was beaten. Every bone in his body was dislocated. He had holes in his side. He suffered on that cross for six hours before giving up the ghost. He was judged by men. He was tortured by men. He was judged by God and he suffered your hell. He suffered my hell on the cross of Calvary so that we wouldn't have to. In three days, he told his disciples, he said, hey, pay attention. I'm coming back. In three days, we celebrate Easter because of that empty tomb. We celebrate Easter because he rose again. In three days, he conquered death. He conquered hell. He came out of that tomb. The men guarding that tomb couldn't hold him. The big rock that was in the way couldn't hold him. Jesus rose again, fulfilling the last responsibility and salvation that he had. The Bible says that God sent his only son so that whosoever believeth on him. Whenever Jesus rose again, he said, Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. This morning, if you'll believe in that Jesus Christ, if you'll believe in that Savior that rose from the grave, if you'll believe in that Savior that took your place, if you'll believe in that Savior who suffered what you deserve, if you'll believe in that Savior with all of your heart, if you'll believe in Jesus Christ this, this morning, God, for Jesus' sake, will save you. And that's the truth. That's not something that we can doubt. That's not something that, that, that is almost. It's not something that's a maybe. It's something that you can take to the bank. It's something that's a guarantee. It's something that no one can change. It is an absolute. And in a world where there are no absolutes, save the gospel. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, you will be absolutely saved. You will have an absolute new appreciation for Easter. And you will have an absolute Savior who saves your soul to the uttermost. But you have to believe in Him. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's very, very simple. The Bible says, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth, believe in thy heart. That's all you have to do this morning. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to cry out. There's not going to be fireworks. You have to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ came and died for you, rose again from the grave so that you might have hope in that resurrection with Him. If you'll believe that in your heart this morning, if you'll reach out in faith, if you'll step out of your comfort zone, if you will simply believe in Jesus Christ, God, for Jesus' sake, will save you. Oh, I have a verse for song. I'll ask for a verse of invitation.